So, so I, I have to ask, are you a Wolverine yeah. fan? Yeah, um, well, I, I don't know how, how you, how you um, <laughs> I, even, I, even I, think I, about that question. I, I, I don't know why it popped into my head. <laughs> but you know. Hi guys, welcome to Talking Strongman. Today's guest is Patrick Bobalmian. He's the, Germany, the German strongest man from 2011. He started off as a lightweight competitor. You won the, the lightweights in Germany um, multiple times, I believe. And yeah, two times. Two times, and you ended up winning the Opens as well. It's a pleasure to have you on House Things. Good, good. I'm, I'm good. Now, uh, I had a pretty long day, but now that uh, I'm, I'm speaking with you, I'm feeling much better. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm making you feel good. <laughs> you might change your mind in a minute if I start grilling you with some questions. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. That's what I, that's what I would expect from, uh, from a good interview partner, right? <laughs> Ex excellent. Good. Now, obviously, we go, we go way back. We've competed against each other in the Champions League a number of times. Um, you, you, a lot of people don't know that you competed in, in like high-level strongman shows. You haven't competed at World's Strongest Man, but you have done multiple Champions League shows. You've been obviously Germany's strongest man. You are, are you still currently the German log record holder? Um, no, I, I think the record was, uh, was broken, uh, like, I don't know, in, in the last three or four years, I think somebody uh, uh, broke the heavyweight uh, record that I had in Germany, but I had it for, for a very long time. I had it for like six or seven years or so. And what was your best log? My best log here in Germany was a uh, 185 kilos, okay. um, and then on in, on the international stage it was 190 kilos. Nice. So um, that that was my best competition log, and then I've uh, I've I've been very close to 200 in training, but uh, yeah, of course that that doesn't count. Tra training lifts don't count, as we know, <laughs> as we all know. Yeah. No, I remember. I can't remember where we were. Was it? Um, was it Bulgaria we competed against each other in the championship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bulgaria was was the fun competition where yeah. you you hurt your uh, your foot. I remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was Irvin Katona was there and um, uh, Lal Lalas I think was there as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and Lalas should have won that show, but he messed up one event and Irvin won. And Lalas was so grumpy mm. for the rest of the day and Irvin just got hammered. I got hammered as well because I was just kind of drowning my sorrows from from the the foot injury. And I just remember us all being out. Irvin had this such deep kind of joyful laugh. It was just so good to be around him. And just Lalas was just sat there in the corner, miserable because <laughs> he hadn't won. But he's, he's actually, Lalas is actually a lovely guy. But sometimes back then, we, we, when we didn't win, we get, we get a bit sulky. Yeah, that's exactly what I remember when I think back over this. I remember everybody having fun. And then Lala's being pissed. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a really good guy. He really is. But um, obviously, when we're all in our prime, we all want to win. And he'd made a he'd made a stupid mistake, I think, that cost him. And I think Irving was just kind of teasing him all night about it as well to to make things even worse. But it was it was definitely fun times. Anyway, I want to sort of. Um, I mean, a lot of people know who you are. Obviously, you're quite well known for being the vegan strongman. You've, um, you, you're, you're probably the, or certainly one of the few that's um, at a higher level as well that's, that's mm. um, vegan. So I want to talk about that before we kind of go into your strongman. We'll get that kind of out the way first, if you like, because obviously there's been a few yeah. things said online. Obviously, there was the Joe Rogan podcast with uh, Robert Oberst. And I know you were a bit upset about some of the, the comments on there. So I'll give you a chance to sort of... Um, Firstly, explain, I guess, because someone like myself, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not vegan. I'm a meat eater. I, I enjoy my meat. And sometimes 
from 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 like my perspective you get certain vegans they try and force things onto uh, onto kind of other athletes and I, i'm quite a laid-back character i think you know if if you want to be vegan great that's that's a good choice for you but if you don't want to be vegan i've got no issues with that as well and um, obviously you know i'm a meat eater um and obviously for strong man you know we all talk about the, the protein that's needed to to build the muscle and, and recover and you know they, obviously there's other factors as well but um You've you've done extremely well, and um, I, I want you to kind of tell us, maybe go through your diet and tell us about uh, what you eat on a daily basis, and the the little bit of beef, I guess, with with Oberst and um, and Joe Rogan. Yeah, we can address all of that. I th I think uh, the um, let, I should maybe start with what what I'm really trying to do when uh, or what I was trying to do when when I was still competing and uh, basically being pretty vocal about the way that I eat. Um, so my main objective is really just to um, kind of um, show people that you have the alternative to eat a different way. So it's not really about, uh, you know, telling anyone what to eat or what's right or wrong. It's, it's really just to say, well, there's an alternative and then you, you can just choose for yourself. So, so that's basically my mindset that I have um, with, um, and then when it comes to, so, so this is a very delicate kind of uh, topic because people have, you know, for some reason, very strong feelings. About it's, 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 why, it's why I've got you on yourself rather than <laughs> kind of, you know, and to, to be fair, it's something I'm not, you know, I know, I know about nutrition and, and stuff like that, but I, I wanted to, to get it from yourself rather than just, you know, backstories that people pass around. Exactly. And it's so important uh, when you look at what uh, happened with uh, Robert, Robert Overstand uh, on, on, on the Rogan show. It's so important to basically, if it's something that is a little bit more complex, to really talk with the people themselves. Because what happened there is they, they were just pulling some numbers from, from the web, from other people, and then basically uh, kind of connecting that to me. Um, they I think they had some kind of... Um, um, deadlift world record in, 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 a, in a small category that um, a, a different guy who is vegan holds and they attributed that record to me and then uh, started thinking about how I would only um, deadlift like 600 pounds, which, which is not the case. Like um, I, I'm a pretty shit deadlifter, uh, <laughs> but, but I still had a plus 800 pounds deadlift uh, on my prime. So, oh, I, so I, 800 pounds is not shit, but it's... Yeah, but you know. I mean, compared to guys like you and... I mean, when you're, when you're competing with, with uh, the, you know, the Opens, um, there, there are guys who, who can, you know, who could always uh, easily crush me on the deadlift. And when I say sh uh, when I say sh shit deadlift, what I really mean is that um, when it comes to something like a squat or something like a yoke, I can keep up with the bigger guys way better than when it comes to something like the deadlift. I'm just, you know, just just anatomically not really suited for it, or or I'm just too lazy to train it properly. I don't know, one of those things. So. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I think what's uh, what's what's basically important in terms of um, the um, you know the the um, the idea if if a vegan diet works or if it doesn't work, it's really that you shouldn't compare athletes um, to each other, because when you like for instance, a lot of people like to point out that um, I was never a top contender, which is the case. Yeah. But if you look at my anatomy, um, like I'm not, I'm just not built to be. Sure, a I, I, you know, you're 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 naturally an under one hundred and five athlete. You're exactly, not a super exactly. heavyweight. 
So it would be silly to contribute uh, the, the kind of level that I was at just on my uh, vegan diet. So if you, if you want to see if, if the diet works uh, or if it doesn't, what makes way more sense is to just compare the athlete to himself while, um, and, and um, with me, it's pretty practical because I've been a meat eater in the starting, when I started my career until 2005. Then I've been a vegetarian for six years. And then later in 2011, I switched to a vegan diet. So I have basically like whole chunks of, of, of my career uh, being on each of the different alternatives. Yeah. Um, and that way you can pretty easily combine, um, um, compare those, sure. uh, those different approaches. Yeah. It's... And, and when you do that for me, um, so basically my, my absolute prime with my heaviest deadlift, my heaviest um, squat, where I did uh, the heaviest yoke uh, I, I, I ever did and, and all that stuff. That's been in 2016, uh, and that's five years into being vegan. So that tells me that, um, that, that I was not only, you know, what a lot of people think, just holding on to the muscle that I built before I went vegan, but I was actually, you know, getting stronger while I was on a vegan diet, and that's for half a decade. Um, then after 2016, I, un I injured my tricep um, at the Lockleaf World Championships. Um, and, um, and after that injury, um, I just retired from, from competitions. Although I have to say, it was not because of the injury. It was rather, I was planning the, the World Championships to be my last competition anyways. Um, I was hoping that I would have a good, you know, a good result. Sure. But, you know, the injury just made... Um, <laughs> the, made my uh, retirement uh, basically a little bit less fun but uh, but it was um, hey, sh <laughs> shit happens in strongman man did you see my yeah. last competition <laughs> yeah i i know that you injured your, your calf right I, I i i tore my achilles so fully ruptured my achilles <laughs> on on actually my favorite event as well you know i know you're good at the yoke but I, I, I believed I was the absolute best in the world uh, at the Oak. Certainly at one time, you know, Kiliaskovsky has, has taken it on another level, guys like Rob Kearney. But at one time, I believed I was the absolute best. So to yeah. always finish my career on my favorite event was, was hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you know exactly what I mean. And for me, it was the log. And the log has always also yeah. been one of my favorites because I was good at it. So, um, yeah, it, it's really not good. <laughs> no, it's, um, um, it, it's that strong, man. <laughs> We've, we, you know, vegan or not, we all get the injuries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, what, what, what I have to mention, though, is that um, with injuries and with the inflammation and all that stuff that is uh, connected to it uh, when it comes to recovery and, and all these things, um, actually, a vegan diet, I felt, also helped me a little bit uh, to just basically minimize the recovery times. Okay. Um, so for some reason, I, I cannot uh, like exactly lay out uh, on the biochemical level uh, what the mechanisms are, but, uh, but for some reason, almost every athlete that you talk with uh, who has been non-vegan before and tried a vegan diet says that the recovery and uh, inflammation levels, they uh, react very positively to it. So that's something to think about if you're, uh, you know, like uh, recovering from an injury or something. Uh, it might make sense, even if you're not interested in, you know, doing it for a long term or so. It might make sense to do it for a few weeks 
um, and then just see what, what it does with your body. Uh, usually it really helps with these things. Well, I think athletes in general now are taking diet on the whole a lot more serious. You know, a lot of guys are using nutritionists now. They're, they're really taking their food seriously. So whether it's, it's all about performance. It's all about making sure you recover from the workouts, you, you fuel the workouts and you, and you put the best food into your body. So whether it's vegan diet or not, if you're a serious athlete, you, you know, you can't just be going eating tubs of Ben and Jerry's and, and fish and chips and stuff like that these days. You, you've got to take your food seriously. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's you, you can, but, but um, you know, you won't get the optimal uh, outcome. I think we've all been there at some point, yeah, at I mean, least I was. <laughs> I think from, from when we started, it was a little bit more laid back with the, the nutrition. Now the guys take it extremely seriously. I've had some, some really good nutritionists on. It's always interesting talking to them because it's, it's fascinating to, as a, an athlete, I say former athlete, you know, I still train and, you know, I'm still pretty strong and trying to get fitter at the moment. But even now, I like to learn new things and like to try and just expand my knowledge so I, I find it fascinating talking to different people about various different methods that can just get that one percent better because that's what we're looking for at, at top level you know when people <laughs> i know um if we go back to joe rogan they said you weren't a, a top level strongman to say you weren't a top level strongman is harsh you you maybe not like world elite in terms of you know the the, the best guys but you've competed on, on the international scene and there's plenty of guys out there that have never managed to do that. You know, you were an excellent squatter, excellent presser. You said your deadlift was weak, but an 800 pound or 360 kilo <laughs> deadlift is, is certainly not weak by, by any means. So, you know, I, I get, I get, I almost get fed up of everyone's expecting everyone should be able to pull 400 kilos. Cause it's, yeah, uh, I, think, I, I totally know what you, what, what you mean. It's, I think the problem is that there's a certain kind of, um, uh, fan culture that that is developing in the last few years that I haven't seen like 10 years ago or something like 10 years ago um, you would have people who are either really interested into strongman because they train themselves and they know exactly you know how it feels and what goes into being on that level and they of course appreciate what what the athletes do uh, or you would have just normal family people just going going for the spectacle, basically. Yeah. But 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 these days you have this weird. I don't know where where they come from. If it comes, you know, from from people who have been fans of I don't know from of boxing or something like that, because there's a lot of toxicity there as well. Um, you see a lot of that on, or maybe it's just because it's online and online kind of just makes think... people toxic. Oh, I, I think there's positives and negatives to the the, the online stuff. I, I do think the, the social media side of things has helped massively in terms of expanding people's knowledge, being able to physically see what's possible. You know, when, when I started, I went to the gym and there was a strong guy in the gym. He wasn't actually... No offense if he's watching, but he wasn't that strong. But to me at the time, he was the strong guy in the gym. And you sort of watch him and you, you pick his brains. Whereas now there's access to see you see you see everyone lifting on a daily basis just slide through instagram and you see 400 kilo deadlifts you know 300 kilo bench presses uh, ridiculous snatches clean and jerks you know and then some incredibly smart coaches and and you know there's there's so much information out there that mm. our knowledge has, has improved but then you do get the the negative side of it as well where you get the let's say the general fan that doesn't know 
all that they, they don't go too deep into the sport they just like seeing the very top guys perform you know when it's time to perform but they don't understand the training that goes into it they don't understand that actually there's only a small percent difference between all the athletes and um but that small percent makes a big difference at that level it, it really does and uh, I think then you get the, the negative comments like, oh, he can only pull 400 kilos. That's rubbish, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's like saying a 10-second a, a sprinter is rubbish. It's really not. It's just not at that world record level every week. Yeah. But it's still, you know, incredibly impressive. Yes. Yeah. Um, nah, it's, it's one of those things. But you, you've got to take the good with the bad with, with all these things. And you've, you've used social media exceptionally well. I mean, for... Let's say a, a not top level strongman. You're you're one of the the most kind of followed, and you know you've done you had, you did strongman professionally. Do you st- you still consider yourself a professional athlete? Or yeah, I mean I'm I'm still um, train um, taking my training serious. I, I don't have the same goals because I'm not competing, so I don't have to go you know get my body to the limit that much that that, that I was doing before, and my goals go go more towards um, you know. I want to look good. I want to be healthy and I want to have longevity. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going for. At the same time, I'm trying to be as strong as possible within that framework uh, because I'm still kind of representing this idea that you can be strong on the kind of diet that I'm, that I'm on. So, so I'm still trying to, you know, uh, be worthy of <laughs> being, uh, you know, representing that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but I don't have to go to the extremes. So, um, uh, but and when, I think um, basically my the, the following that I have and then uh, all the attention that I'm getting just comes from different streams. Uh, um, a huge part of it is because of the different approach that I take to diet, obviously. Um, and it's also funny. Sometimes uh, I, I get uh, like a lot of smack from people saying, "Well, if 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 he wasn't vegan, nobody would uh, would would care." But um, and then I'm like, "Yeah, but that's what makes me like." That's that was my decision. That was what I, was, I did. I, I was I was going to say, was that a like a conscious decision on your part that you wanted to be something that would stand out? Yeah, it, it wasn't so much that I was uh, trying to stand out. It was uh, because the considerations, like um, when I first went vegetarian, and and it is basically the same mindset went into doing that next step and going vegan. Um, it was just ethical considerations. It's, uh, I've always been very, you know, connected to animals and, and wildlife and, and yes. love nature and so on. So at the time when I made the decision, uh, my ex-girlfriend and I, we, we lived uh, at um, basically at the border to a big forest and we had a lot of wildlife there. So we would rescue a lot of wildlife and we would put a lot of time and energy into, you know, trying to help different animals. So at that point, I was just uh, at, at one point thinking about um, we we had a baby raven at, at that point, uh, and we spent like weeks and, and months uh, trying to you know get him on his feet and and, and uh, in a position where we could release him. Uh, and what I was thinking was, so you put all this time and energy into trying to help this one bird, and at the same time within that time span, you're eating maybe like. 20 chicken like 20 other birds yeah. i was just thinking where's the sense in that sure. so so that was just basically for me that was where my decision came from it had nothing to do with the sport or with any expectations what it would do to my performance actually at that time my training wasn't really um top priority for me because uh, i was uh, getting my a degree on evening school I had two different jobs and then on the weekends i would also work as a bouncer in a disco so 
I was the training was just um, I was just trying to survive in terms of training. Um, so when I made the decision, I was actually expecting my performance level to go down because I bought into the um, the um, basically the, the the mainstream kind of uh, knowledge uh, that you need animal protein, you need uh, uh, meat to to build muscle. So I wasn't expecting anything good, and then I was surprised that it actually worked very well. Um, and uh, so so you know I, I started becoming a little bit more vocal about it, but but it was nowhere near where where it was after going vegan, um, because the the whole decision to do that next step and go vegan was just based on the success that I had as a vegetarian in 2011 when I won the title of Germany's Strongest Man. Um, and I realized that through media and through all that attention that was coming to me at that point, I was actually helping other people to kind of make similar kind of decisions. So I was getting a lot of feedback by young guys telling me, well, um, I, I kind of have the same mindset, but uh, but I'm afraid if I speak my mind that my friends are going to laugh at me, which, sure. which is, of course, exactly what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> you it's know? like a, you... a, anything that we do that's different. People yeah. kind of, they, they don't want to talk about it or they just want to kind of blank it out, I guess. It's, um, you know, I guess you see it with like um, Rob Kearney. You know, he, he's, mm, yeah. you know, and I, I used to never really understand with Rob why he was so vocal about being gay because I, I've, I'm very good friends with Rob. So, you know, I feel I can talk about him. And um, it wasn't until I sort of sat down and, and chatted to him and I realized the shit he goes through on a daily basis of why yeah. he has to try and get that positive message and try and influence, you know, people that are uh, struggling in that position to, to, to feel comfortable with themselves. And it's, it's a horrible thing, you know, I guess one of the worst things, especially with social media is the, the online bullying that can go on and people can get that sort of, I guess, you know, the, the herd type mentality of just following the sheep, if you like, mm -hmm. rather than trying something new. It's, um, it, I've always sort of been fascinated by every aspect you know, when, especially when it comes to, to training. And obviously I just looked at Rob, I was like, it's just a really good athlete. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, was like, I, did, I didn't get why it was all like the world's strongest gay stuff, but it wasn't until you sort of dig deeper into it and you realize, okay, I understand now. I, I see why he pushes it. And, and you know, I, I, I feel for him because honestly, he's, he's, he's such a cool guy. And, um, you know, he has a lot of support, but then he gets a lot of hate as well. And it's, you know, I, just because of someone's sexuality, I don't, I don't get it. But, and, and yeah. likewise for, for what we eat, I don't think, you know, it, it needs to be aggressive. If, if it's your choice, then, then great. And if you feel you can put, put, uh, I guess, put it across in a positive way and make people understand that it's, it's a healthier lifestyle, perhaps it's, you won't convince someone like myself. I'm, I'm like, um, well, you'll, you'll, you'll know yourself. I mean, my father was Persian, so you're brought up on, on kind of rice and meat type meals and it's, yeah. it's just in, in my blood, but it's in yours as well, I guess, <laughs> you know, and, um, you, you kind of enjoy the, the kind of, you know, kebabs and the, the gormazabzi and those kind of yeah. Eastern meals. They're heavily meat orientated. And, and yeah. I'm, if I'm totally honest, I just, I just enjoy them. It was that kind of, you know, I was brought up on that lifestyle, but I'm very open-minded to listening about other ways. And, and, and even if it was for a performance or, or like a, just a, I've got a friend that I train, actually. He's recently become vegan uh, to lose weight. And, yeah. and you know, he, he swears by it. And, you know, he, he, he 
has lost a lot of weight. He looks great, physically feels fit. So I, I, I do get it. And I think if people are willing to just be open-minded it's, and try things, like you say, it's when, when we're not willing to try things at all, that's when you, you kind of you, you keep yourself closed-minded and, and you don't expand that, that knowledge. It's, and it, you see it so often with various different things, not, not just food, but, you know, it, it's, it, it happens all the time. Anyway, talking of food, tell me what was your diet like when you were competing in strongman? I mean, now obviously you're trying to you you're a lot smaller now, but what were you eating on a daily basis? How many calories? What type of foods? How many meals? Yeah, so I think calorie wise, um, for for the body weight that I had, I, I was around three hundred pounds uh, when when I was. Um, I think the heaviest was maybe a little bit more than three hundred pounds, but that was basically. So you were pretty where, big. You were pretty big then. Yeah, like in 2015, 16, uh, um, I was, I was, um, <laughs> when, you, when you see pictures of then, like, I think my head was like double the size it is now. <laughs> <laughs> so I was definitely bigger than now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I think calorie wise, my, my diet was actually pretty typical for someone who looks like that and who has, who packs that amount of ma- uh, mass. So I was moving somewhere between, 6,000 uh, 6, and 7,000 calories. Um, that, that was basically my, my max. Uh, in terms of uh, the, the macronutrients, I think, and, and this is really the, the important thing uh, to understand um, when, when a lot of people kind of question, um, you know, if, if it's possible to do what I did on, on a plant-based diet, it's um, because they, um, they don't get that I was actually eating the same, you know, my my, my food had the same nutritional value. It was just coming from different places. So so I was very high in protein. I was uh, around 300, 350 uh, grams. That was basically the top almost 400 grams a day. Pretty high protein intake. Um, to get that, what I would do is uh, mainly, um, and this is the, the, the funny part. So a lot of those Persian dishes you were talking about, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the kebab and, and that things uh, aside, because that's just meat, but um, the, the stews, you know, they, they have yeah. tons of stews, right? So yeah, Sabzi, yeah. Horesht, and, and so on. Um, it's rice dishes with stews, and the stews have, there is meat in them, but there's also tons of legumes uh, that, yeah. that are a great protein source. So what, what I would do is I, I would all eat basically all these things that I was eating before, all those just you know, yummy that, Persian. Yeah. yeah, I was just t- taking away the meat. And the great thing about those foods is that all the taste really comes from all the other ingredients. Uh, so yeah. so you, if you take away the meat, you don't really feel it that much. While, you know, if you have a very meat-based kind of meal, um, you know, of course, to take it away, then you have to replace it with something. But because of all those legumes and herbs and everything, um, I would just eat the same things just without the meat and it would be vegan. So that's what I would uh, mainly eat um, in solid meals. But what I have also done throughout my whole career, basically since I started Strongman, because I was always, you know, small and I needed to compete uh, against guys who were bigger. And so I had to always kind of try to get more calories into myself than I was really hungry for. Um, what I would do is I would eat a lot of those calories, eat uh, in liquid form. So shakes and smoothies and stuff like that. Um, and that's still the case. Like even now that I'm not competing, I'm still doing the same mm-hmm. thing just because I think it's, I'm inherently a, a lazy person. 
So uh, if I can save time and energy on something, I will definitely go for it. And liquid calories are the, the easiest way to get your calories in. So instead of you know preparing a meal, sitting down for half an hour and eating it, I just put everything in the blender and and just you know go for it. Yeah, no, no, I think all of us have to sometimes get like the liquid calories, especially when we're trying to get those extra calories in. It's very few guys. I, when people ask me, how can I get more food in? I'm, I'm like, drink, drink your food. It's, uh, it makes it that a little bit easier. So just in the morning, if you don't want to face like a, a big, huge bowl of oats and stuff, just blend it in a shake and, and get it down. You. It's a little bit easier. You can have it on the go. It just makes it... You, you know yourself and anyone sort of getting into strongman, the eating is a hard part of it. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I'm, I've, I've almost halved my calories right now. I'm, I'm currently on a, a 12 week transformation, uh, only two weeks in. I don't, I, you know, I can't see anything yet, but I, I'm feeling better. But I, I've, I've gone from about 6,000 calories to 3,500. It's a big drop, but still yeah. the same amount of meals. Mm. It's different food. And I, I already feel better to be honest. It's um, yeah, it's hard to be three hundred plus pounds. But I mean, you're what five foot seven? Uh yeah, five foot seven. That that's that's a big man at, at five foot seven with three hundred pound body weight. Yeah, if you like, if you go beyond that, it's like that's where you know Rob is, for instance, uh, right now. Rob Kearney, we, we talked about him. Um, he's he's crazy big uh, uh, these days. <laughs> the last few videos that I saw of him uh, were really impressive. How how much size he has uh, gained, and he's not that much taller than uh, than I'm in. I don't sure. know, maybe two inches or something like that. So um, so I think you get. Um, for me, there's a certain kind of threshold uh, around the 300 mark where if I get bigger than that, it just costs you so much in your speed and endurance and, you know, um, basically um, general ability to move that it's going to just cost you uh, points on all these moving disciplines. So uh, as a strongman, because it's such a balanced kind of sport and you need all different types of uh, of um athletic ability um you there's a there's a there's a limit to how big you can get and and for my frame 300 pounds is pretty close to that limit i think it's it's, it's an important thing to get across it's very easy to go over that kind of tipping point you, you sort of you get bigger and bigger and bigger to get that strength but then you start sacrificing in certain areas and, and if you're you know if you're half thor bjornsson you can be 200 kilos no problem you can still be athletic you can still move but when you're six foot or five, seven, you know, there's certain, you know, the heaviest I ever was, was 170 kilos. You know, that's three, 350 plus pounds. And my pressing was a little bit better. My squat was a little bit better, but everything else was worse. <laughs> everything yeah, else. Even, even my deadlift was worse because I was struggling to get into position. Whereas I brought yeah. that weight down, my deadlift went up, my moving went up, my recovery went up. I brought a little bit off the pressing and the squat, but, in terms of strongman performance, I was much better. So it, it is important to find that right weight for, for your frame. I think for, for someone like you who is extremely explosive and then also if you're in the right kind of shape, uh, able to move very fast, um, that's what, what, what I always uh, kind of saw in you, that uh, the, a big, strong athlete who is also able to, you know, uh, be, be crazy um, um, quick in the, in the moving disciplines. Um, that really is going to hurt your results if you, you know, start getting slower. So, yeah. um, so I think you really, you know, and, and the, the thing about strongmen is that 
it's it's so um it it's gonna definitely punish you and bite you in the ass if you do the slightest kind of mistakes and sometimes when i think back of some competitions uh, where I did like a minor, minor mistake and it cost me like two places in the overall thing, okay. uh, which is the difference between, you know, being the strongest guy in your country versus just being third. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, small margins are massively important in all sports. It's all about that. But that's, that's competition. That's why, you know, it's always fun to sort of predict things and, and stuff like that. But you, you never know until you're in that arena I've I've had many arguments with people saying, "Oh, if such and such was in that competition, it would have been different." <laughs> so you can't say that. You can only go on what was happening on the day. You know, people say say to me, "Oh, if you were in this comp, how do you think you were doing?" I said, I, "I can't say because I wasn't in it." And that's just I don't like to take anything away from people when they're they're in a contest and they they get their results. And it's it's easy to sit on the side as a fan and just watch it and say. Uh, if, if, say, if Zadrunas competed in that show, he would have won. You don't know that. You know, you look at the history of sport, there's always shocks, there's always surprises, there's many, many factors that, that come into play with, a, with competition. And we all make mistakes. Every single, you know, even the best, absolute best guys in the world make mistakes sometimes. And you've just got to make sure that you're as well prepared as possible and give the best you can on the day. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I think the strongman is actually a little bit special uh, when it comes to that uh, unpredictability. Uh, predictability. Yeah. Uh, um, because um, while other sports, they, they have their standard kind of, you know, if you're a um, you know, track and field athlete, you know exactly how, you know, the, the, the test is going to look like that, that you're going for. But with strongmen, because we have all these disciplines and, and they basically, with every competition, you get a new set of disciplines, um, that adds so much to that kind of chaos and unpredictability that, that it's really, I don't think there's any other sport that has that, that that's very unique to strongmen. Even sometimes just going from competition to competition, you just get the different implements. It could be the same event, but... Yeah with different, you know, type of, say, a farmer's walk, but just built differently, and it can feel completely different. And if yeah. you, just the Atlas Stones, they, they can be different from set to set. Some of them are perfectly balanced. Some of them, the, the weight shifts one side. And, you know, that's the, the, the raw kind of awkwardness of Strongman, and it makes it fun. And, and then you have the events like, you know, keg toss. You can be a brilliant mm -hmm. thrower, but you could throw one that just doesn't quite, it, it goes high enough, but it doesn't go over. And then you, you waste that energy and you panic and little things like that can, can always affect a competition. Just that wrong setup on something. And then obviously the, the, the events where, that are just completely random sometimes that will totally throw people. It's, um, it, it makes it fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can remember some crazy things in, in competitions in China that I've done. Uh, like in 2007, I did my first lightweight uh, world championships in China and they had Atlas Stones. But instead of instead of a square um, a sphere shape, the, the atlas stones were basically shaped like uh, bowls, like okay. big bowls. So you you kind so of like, had to like half a stone, kind of. Yeah, yeah, we, weird kind of shape. Um, I can maybe I don't know. I can maybe send you some some pictures, <laughs> and then you we we can actually show it uh, yeah. once you edit everything. So so it was a very weird shape. 
Um, and actually, for me, that was uh, that was um, um, a plus because most you know Atlas stones are usually a very bad discipline for me because my you know being a smaller athlete, my arms are short as well, so I can't really grab the things right. Um, so usually I struggle with them, but because of that weird shape, um, I could actually grab the things way better than than your normal. Um, Atlas stones. So for me, it was okay, but for most of the athletes, it was it was terrible. <laughs> they do some very strange competitions in China. <laughs> I've been four times to China, and it's it's not my favorite place to go. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I love traveling. I love seeing all different places around the world, but China's a, a strange one. There's some wonderful parts and people, but there's also some very strange customs and then uh, I, i've done a few competitions that i just wasn't happy with what i saw there i mean you're you're an animal lover and i saw some horrible things to be honest and yeah one of the, the things that i don't like about going over there but although i have to say you have to keep in mind um a lot of the stuff like for instance when it, when it comes to what kind of animals you eat right um so a lot of the stuff that you see there that you might react to emotionally just really comes from a place because it's um it's a very kind of exotic culture to us and we're not used to seeing that but if you if you just go to very basic logics for instance you know it, there, there's an emotional impact in seeing you know animals that we consider as pets like cats and dogs mm. being you know treated badly and and, and then uh, slaughtered and eaten um but if you think about it, it there's really no difference between those animals and the animals that yeah, we sure. consider food so so i think a lot of um the, the kind of view that we have on on different cultures comes really just from what we're used to in, of in our course. own culture of course that's, yeah. that's one thing but what we can agree on is <laughs> the equipment was definitely crazy uh, a crazy challenge in china I, I i can remember that a few times i, I almost like um, i think in 2013 there was this weird kind of um um world championships that where you could nominate it started with a, as a group kind of uh, competition and you could nominate members of your group to basically kick them out yeah um, i was i, I you, was you were I, there right i was there i was the captain of one of the teams i was, exactly. was the other captain and, exactly um, yeah, so, very strange. It was like a, a TV show, like a, yeah, a reality like, like TV Big Brother show. or something. Yeah, and then every, <laughs> and, and, every, every time if you if you lost the event, then you had to boot one of the members of your team out. Yeah, that was, it was a hard job. Do you, do, do you remember that kind of uh, um, uh, thug of war that they had? Yeah, yeah. I almost <laughs> broke my neck doing that because <laughs> because I think at one point the other team they just let go. And so, so we won the thing, the thing, but but I just went flying and 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 just almost broke my uh, broke my neck with it. Were so you, yeah, was, it, was that was that the same year we had to as a team? You had to like hold this bridge up, and then you had one member had to carry like a stone over the bridge. So there's like six guys, like I think three guys each side or four guys each side. And you had to lift this bridge, and then one member had to pick up a, a stone go up the ramp, across the bridge, down the ramp, and load it onto something. It was, and you're just there holding it. It's getting heavier and heavier. Every step they take, your grip's going to go. It was um, some weird events they came up with. Yeah, that was a different year, uh, and I'm happy it was because <laughs> what I saw was crazy enough. But, uh, yeah, I, I think for them, they, they basically made kind of a gladiators kind of show out of it where um, it, it looked like they don't really – 
bothered if you would survive the whole thing or not. <laughs> oh, I, rem- I remember one event they did. Um, so it wasn't the athletes that, that suffered, but they, it was like a, a safe lift. You've you ever seen the safe mm-hmm. lift? So they made this. Yep. It was like a traditional Chinese ornament, I guess. And they yep. made two of them. And one of them broke. Oh. And the producer of the show was so angry at the guy that um, that had made these in front of all the strongmen. He's there just beating the crap out of this guy. And we're all just like stood there watching, thinking, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was a very strange. <laughs> I've, I've, I've experienced some weird times in strongman. I've got to say, there's been some amazing times, but there's been some strange ones too. And they nearly always happen in China. <laughs> <laughs> oh man anyway what, what what got you into training what was it that kind of because you've been I, I read up somewhere i think from from a very young age you've been interested in, in either bodybuilding or training in general and strength so take me yeah. back to the beginning what was um young patrick kind of fascinated about yeah so, so i was 14 years old when i started uh, working out um and um so mainly at that time I was a fan of uh, of uh, professional wrestling. So um, you like know, all um, of us back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so so I was a fan of that, and and I had a friend at school who um, was also a fan. So we would actually meet up and and kind of you know have our own show kind of fights and you know try to mimic all those different you know weird movements that they do and all so that we- stuff. We're talking like Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and these kind of guys, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what we're talking talking about. So, so we were doing all that stuff, and at some, and we were actually dreaming of doing that while we were, you know, you know, getting bigger. So, uh, at one point, we just realized we needed to pack a little bit more muscle. So that was kind of the first step where we. Um, and I have to say, I was already training at home, but but that was when we decided to go to an actual gym and start training sure. there. So so I think when when I was fourteen years old, I was training at home, and then I was fifteen or so when we actually started training in a gym. Um, so that was kind of the the initial thing. But when it comes to my fascination with strength and with muscle, um, that actually goes way back to. Um, so to my childhood actually um so um one of the few memories that i have uh, of my of my father um and and that's because he died when i was uh, very young so um my father died when i was four years old uh, but i have memories of him with my mom watching um the um the hulk tv series with lou ferrigno yeah so um and i would be terrified like this is three-year-old patrick under the table, screaming and terrified because you know um, Lou is hulking out, and <laughs> and that was kind of that that kind of um, the, the the whole look. I mean, Lou Ferrigno was was one of the top bodybuilders at that uh, time, so this this bodybuilding look kind of um, just burned itself into my memory and into uh, my psyche. And was always with me. So, so as a child, even before I started training, I would, you know, go and buy bodybuilding magazines and read them and and kind of, 
you know, uh, be fascinated by what what you can do with the, with the human body to you know get it to that kind of shape. Yeah. So so that's really where I think the, the whole fascination came came from. That was the uh, the the groundwork basically for me. Then later on, actually starting to train myself. So, do, do you know Lou Ferrigno competed at the first World Strongest Man? Yeah, I know that, and and I actually learned that I think just ten years ago or so. Really. Uh, yeah, I was I was doing um, um, a documentary on on strength training with uh, with a German uh, guy, uh, camera guy, and um, it it just started as a very small project. It was just basically about my own story and and a few other athletes. Um, and then at some point, he actually interviewed Lou, um, and that's when I learned uh, that Lou was actually in the um, ninety uh, seventy seven first world strongest man and. Uh, it was very interesting to to, to see that, and then uh, um, Franco Colombo was That's was right. also in that, and uh, it was pretty awesome. Then uh, later on to go back and and watch those you know the historic footage and and everything, and to oh. see um, talking of um, you know strange implements to see what those guys were doing because that was the, the beginnings of all these things. And oh, absolutely. Like, uh, like the I, keg lift, the, the, do you remember the keg lift when yeah. they, they weren't actually doing the cross grip, but they were doing Yeah, like trying this. to press the keg and it's wobbling all over the place. I actually, I actually think it would be really cool to do a competition with the original 10 events and see how, see how the guys do now. I've, I, I love watching all the old stuff. Obviously, I watch a lot of it for um, some of the videos that I do, but I've, I've always been a massive Strongman fan, so I've watched them all many times. And I, I think it would be quite a cool contest to do the original World's Strongest Man events and see how the guys today cope with those you know, strange events because <laughs> yeah. it's very different now. The sport's kind of completely evolved, but it would be a, a fun show to do, I think. Yeah, that that would be an awesome an awesome idea. And also, some of those guys were actually crazy uh, uh, strong compared to um, even even to now. Like uh, Franco Colombo, it was it was insane. He was he was pound really, for pound. He was yeah. ridiculously strong. He's probably one of the smallest guys ever to compete at the world's strongest yeah. man. But on the static events, he would hold his own. Had a terrible injury on the fridge carry, but um, you know he he was genuinely powerful, powerful man. Yeah. Um, and some of the, you know, Bruce Wilhelm, Don Reinhardt. Don Reinhardt was a beast. That guy lifted some, I think he still, up until a few years ago, still had the squat world record, the raw squat world record. He, he genuinely, absolute beast. Some of those guys, unbelievable athletes. Yeah, absolutely. So what's, um, what's the plans for you going forward? Obviously, this year has been strange, but I know you, you say you do a lot of uh, motivational talks and things like that. Obviously, you've not been able to do them this year. It's, it's been it's been a, a rough year, I guess. But you said to me before we kind of came on, you've been very busy with other things. So so what's what's the focus right now? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm kind of I'm feeling very lucky compared to you know a lot of people who are really uh, suffering under on, on you know the kind of circumstances that we're all on. Um, that um, m most of the most of the work that I was doing before the whole pandemic was uh, public speaking, basically. So I was speaking on uh, vegan events, but also sometimes on sports events like the FIBO and, and stuff like that. I would get booked for, uh, you know, uh, speaking gigs. Um, and that has been completely canceled. So basically 100% of the income from there is just gone sure. uh, but um, it I could I was able to compensate it with a lot of other things that I'm doing right now so 
Uh, right now I'm doing, and this is not really uh, too much on the commercial side, but I'm uh, doing a, a kind of a theater project uh, that I'm part of, which is um, I'm a part of my, um, um, basically my my aspiration to develop into acting. So, so I'm doing all kinds of smaller acting jobs, um, like just just to develop that that skill. Um, so that's one thing that I'm doing. And then uh, another thing that is actually a big chunk of uh, my energy goes into that is um, a comic book project that I have. Okay. Um, that was initially, um, the, the idea was to make a film and, and I was actually writing a script for a film uh, until I realized that that film would cost a terrible ton of money <laughs> that I didn't have. So, so I had this idea to make a, a comic book and before um, uh, doing the film, I made a Kickstarter campaign to finance the whole thing, and we actually financed it, I think, within three days or so. We wow. had the money that we needed, so it did pretty well. And right now we're working on getting that done until the end of the year. So that's um, maybe 80% of my time. And then on sides uh, of that, I'm also collaborating with different companies who are... Um, you know, working in the same kind of field um, that I'm working. So in the cross-section between the fitness industry, the uh, the vegan lifestyle and all that uh, stuff, I'm, you know, collaborating with different companies to, um, you know, helping them uh, business-wise um, and uh, getting paid for that. So it's like, a, it's a mix of very yeah. different things with uh, where I need very different skills which is sometimes very exhausting because uh, you know your, your brain has to go to very different places. Yeah, and well, it's some... quite it's quite diverse, and it's it's quite yeah. interesting talking to you know listening to you about the um, the acting side of things. Obviously, there's a few strong men that have gone into acting. I've I've been in a few films myself, and it's you know it's an it's, it's an area a lot of the, not a lot, but but there's a good amount of guys go into. Uh, you say with the the comic book, can can you give us any kind of little hints on what it's about or? As yeah, as yeah as of course, of yeah. course. Um, so it's like uh, the, the the basic idea and everything is uh, actually you, you can find it on uh, on Kickstarter if you look for Earthraiser. That's that's the Earth name Razor. of the project. Okay. Yeah, like raising the earth. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the the whole idea comes from like one, there are certain kind of archetypes and and, and images that uh, I'm carrying in my in my brain since my childhood. One of them is the Hulk. Yeah, and then another uh, um, archetype is uh, Atlas, who is sure. you know shouldering yeah. the Earth, um, and so Earthraiser is actually um, it's kind of trying to make a connection to, to the mythical figure of uh, of Atlas, who is you know raising the Earth. Basically, interesting though, it's all, it's all quite strength based, kind of you know. Yeah, of course. So, so if I if I do something, if I do something, I, I always put a part of myself into it. Sure. Um, so so in in, uh, in that way, there, there is also huge chunks of um, autobiographic stuff that goes into the story. Um, but the, the 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 main idea or the main motivation behind the story is really that um, I was trying to come up with a story to kind of. Um, communicate my own mo motivation for you know how i see the world and uh, why uh, you know um, why i'm having the outlook on animals and 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 that stuff that i have but um i wanted to make a story that wasn't about 
kind of, and I wanted to have it as a as a superhero story because you know I've been a comic book fan um, of of um, you know superhero comics, you know Hulk and 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 um, and so on since my childhood. So, so I, I have to ask: Are you a Wolverine yeah. fan? Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know how, how you how you um, <laughs> I, even I, even I, think I, about that question. I, I don't know why it popped into my head, but <laughs> you know. I, I actually am, um, and and you know why. Um, so, so that, that's a, a thing that a lot of people don't actually know. So, one of the uh, reasons that got me, um, like, I was an X Men fan before I became a Wolverine fan, uh, but I really got into Wolverine when I actually found out that he was the only, or at least the only, uh, small uh, superhero that yeah. that that is, you know, originally meant to be very short. Yeah, from the uh, comics, he's he's really short, isn't he? He's, he, he's actually three inches. Uh, I'm I'm three inches taller than he is. <laughs> so he's meant to be very so, very short. So they they shouldn't have had Hugh Jackman then. They should have had you for the role. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a huge mistake to go with you. <laughs> uh, he, he was he was obviously brilliant uh, in the oh, role, but but anatomically it uh, it would make sense to go with a short guy. Uh, maybe like you know if you would. If you, I think it would be awesome if you would take a bodybuilder or, uh, you know, someone who who has actually, you know, packs the kind of muscle to look exactly like the comic book hero. But, um, you know, like Lee Priest would have been, yeah. I think, absolutely insane as, as Wolverine. But, <laughs> but nobody asked me. So, <laughs> so, so back maybe, to my maybe, to maybe my, for one of the future ones. <laughs> yeah. So, so back to my own so because nobody asked me i figured i have to make my own comic book hero so 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 i wanted to make this whole thing but i um i i didn't want to make it about a vegan superhero because i figured nobody wants to read that like um and and at the end of the day i want people who are you know i, I don't want vegans to read the book because i mean of course they can they can read it but my target audience is people who um you know think differently um to read the book and 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 maybe be inspired or you know to to kind of reach out to those people who are not already having a very similar outlook on on the world that i have mm -hmm. so uh to 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 kind of get to that point i needed to make this hero in a way that people could um you know your general audience could kind of connect with him um, and I knew that if, if you make a vegan uh, superhero, like the general audience is not going to connect with, you know, because you, you want the, the hero to be, you know, close to, your, to Although, yourself. I mean, you say that. What about Popeye? He, he must have been vegan. <laughs> he was just eating way too much spinach. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's, it's been really fun, actually, talking to you. You're a very thoughtful guy. You can see you've got, you know, loads going on. And um, uh, last thing I want to say, because you've been, you've been very smart to, to turn yourself into a professional athlete. You know, there's, it's funny because we started off with like yourself talking about, Rob, we were talking about Robert Oberst. And I think yourself and Robert are two of the best professional athletes in terms of you've marketed yourselves in a certain way and you've, you've, you've been able to make a career out of this without winning major titles, mm -hmm. which is an impressive skill in itself. So what I want to mm -hmm. ask is like, for anyone out there that wants to, to use like the gym and, and training and stuff like that to, to try and, 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 and make a living, what advice would you give them? 
Um, I would definitely say that um, you have to find the areas where you can, um, you know, like um, let's let's do it on the example of myself. So for me, I always knew that I was not built to be like top notch. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't have the physical ability to, you know, be as dominant an athlete uh, as I would have liked to be. So if I wanted to have an edge on on my competitors. I had to find something else. So um, when it came to the competition, that's something else meant that I was trying to work out harder than them, that I was trying to be smarter with some things, you know, decisions that I was doing, um, that I was uh, staying away from, you know, alcohol and drugs and partying and all that kind of stuff. So I had a very, very, um, you know, very clean kind of lifestyle. Um, and that's not because, uh, because, you know, I don't like to party or anything. It's, it was just because I knew I couldn't afford to lose even a little bit of uh, the performance because the other athletes were so ahead of me. So, so um, that was what I was doing as an athlete. But then outside of the athletic uh, battlefield, there is also the battlefield of life or business uh, and, and so uh, so there you can basically do the same thing. You have to find for yourself where you have an edge or you have a potential edge in which areas you could be better than the others. And then you just cultivate those areas and, and try to find your own niche or try to find, you know, your own way. And I think uh, what would really holds a lot of people back or um, what makes it harder for a lot of people is that they're looking for a template like uh, they would, you know, they, if they look at Zidrunas or they look at some, somebody like you um, and then they try to mimic that, but th that's not going to make the best out of the skill set that they have. That's not going to make the best out of, you know, the circumstances that they have. So I was always, I, I guess, pretty smart about um, really analyzing my strengths and weaknesses and then trying to make the best out of my own situation. Yeah. And that's, that's a skill that's going to help you everywhere in life, if it's business or sports or whatever it is. So I, I totally agree with you. It's, it's funny because you see a lot of people, especially these days, they want to be the next Eddie Hall. <laughs> but Eddie Hall is Eddie Hall. He's exactly. successful because he's himself. He's, you know, he's, He's created a character, but it's just an enhancement of himself. Whereas some people try and do it and it's, you know, Eddie's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. Same with Oberst. Oberst is a smart guy. He knows what he's saying. He knows how to get a reaction and he, he knows how to get seen. And then yeah. if that's not you, there's no point in then trying to do that. It's, exactly. you, you got to do, you know, I, I, I do my own thing that's completely different to everyone else. And it's actually when I was competing, I didn't, you know, I was just focused on competing. Whereas now it's, it's a bit more, you know, business orientated and, you know, developing the sport and, and things like that, but just doing it in my own way. I sort of, you know, I, the uncle Oz thing and stuff like that. I'm not the brash aggressive. Well, I'm aggressive when I compete, I guess, but most of the time pretty laid back and, and kind of quiet there. So it's finding your thing. And like you, you did very successfully, um, so anyone out there, just focus on your skill set, being yourself and doing what you need to do to get seen. It's, it's not always about talking rubbish and just kind of being loud. So, you know, you look at Zadrunas, Zadrunas is just very, very good. He, he, yeah. he went down that approach of just, I'm just going to be the best. And you know, there's every, everyone's slightly different. They have their own thing. They have their own niche and you can see it in other sports as well. And obviously, you know, the, the, the people like Eddie or the Conor McGregor, if, I guess, if you like, if that's your character, great, go with it. 
but don't force it if it's not. That's the, the probably the best advice I can give anyone. And sounds like you're giving the same. Absolutely. Patrick, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. If people want to find you and follow you on, on I, I know you've got um, your YouTube page and, and Twitter, uh, sorry, um, Instagram. We will we'll tag them in for you. We'll put them in the description below. I will hopefully see you soon, my friend. Thank you again for coming on. Guys, Likewise. I hope you have enjoyed this Talking Strongman episode. It's been really nice. He's been so well lit. It's good, good quality sound. It <laughs> makes my job much, much easier. Actually, it makes Liz's job much easier. She does all the editing afterwards. So she's, she hasn't got so much work to do today. Right, take care and we'll be back with more Talking Strongman soon. While you're here, guys, subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell so you don't miss any of my awesome strength content.